also watches over us. And you watch over us for good, for peace, for victory, to your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord this morning. Everybody, thank you. Please, the praise team, be seated. <clears throat> the title of the message this morning is that you are valued more than the sparrows. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, your value is much more than the sparrows. And we are going to go into that a little more. And we pray that God's grace will abound this morning to his glory in Jesus' mighty name. God, in his mercy, chooses what we can relate with to try to explain the depth of his love towards me and you. The depth of God's love. God, in his mercy, chooses what we can relate to to try to show us how we can definitely trust in God's providence. Providence, by definition, can be the ability of God to care for you. When life's earthquakes comes, or even minor things, at times, he raises such a storm and dust that the cloud above us is covered and we cannot see through it, imagine through it, that God is there watching over us. That is what the enemy will like you to believe. The enemy is like a vulture eating out of unbelief. The enemy tries to eat through your confidence at any point in time so that your trust in God's providence, your belief in his goodness, will have a doubt. And where there is doubt, unbelief comes in. And when there is unbelief, you cannot exercise your faith. And when you cannot exercise your faith, it is hard, if not for the mercy of God, for what, to get what you believe in God for. Notwithstanding our stage in life, whether it is high or low, as some will say, high estate or low estate, the care and the love of God is unquestionable. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I standing here with you might have questioned it in some occasions. But maybe this morning we throw some light that can help you to understand that God cares. It's hard to explain to somebody who is going through severe life trials. God cares for things that is of no value. In trying to explain this to us many a times, God has used so many areas to try to explain to mankind, to me and you, to believers, 
that he cares for us. Use some examples. He used the relationship between a father and a son to try to explain it, say the father prodigal son situation, showing us that even when the son has failed and done all these things, the father still cares. He also used the case of a sucking child. He said that even a mother can forget his sucking babe. But he said, I, the Lord, will never forget. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? He used the case of a shepherd and a sheep, calling out the sheep of his pastures. A shepherd is willing, like in the case of David, to put his life on the line to save his sheep. He used that case to try to teach us the depth of God's love so that we can trust on God's providence. A shepherd and a sheep. He used other instances in the Bible trying to make me, why is God going to this length to prove to us, to show to us that he really cares for me and you? Why would he bother to go to this length? Because God understands our build, our make. We are human beings. There are just a time that the situation gets so hard, drastic, that the best of us we start doubting God's intention. We start looking at the word and say, is that for me? Was that written for me? Is that real? And it happens. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, he told us, I know the thought I have towards you. Thought of what? Thought of peace. To give us what? An expected end. And not of evil. To give us an expected end. Yet many at times evil surrounds us. Many at times peaceless situations surrounds us. Many at times lies, havoc, and problems surrounds us that we start to wonder, does God really care for me? Is he there for me? And God uses all these examples trying to teach us to trust in him. Why is it necessary that we believe and trust in God's providence? Providence is God's plan, God's intention, God's ability to care for you. If you lose faith in who is caring for you or the person that is caring for you in hour of need, which is God, then you might not be able to succeed in that situation because your faith has gone. So devil make it a point of duty to magnify to bring in scenarios in the dead of the night, imaginable and unimaginable situation, the whole objective is to thank your faith, is to shift your eyes from the Lord. So God uses examples, sheep, shepherd, use son, use child, use different avenue to show all that they love, and then he also added to it the sparrow of the field. Let us go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 to 31. Use the sparrow of field. I will explain what sparrow is. Matthew 29, read with me. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? That's like a dime, a dozen, a dozen, a dime. And one of them shall not what fall on the ground without your father's knowledge or permission. Go on. To 30, please. 10 30. <clears throat> verse 30, if you are there, Matthew chapter 10 30. Just go a verse down. I'll read it from here. <clears throat> it says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye therefore not. Fear ye not therefore. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. If you believe it, say thank you, Jesus. What is this that God is trying to tell me and you? That if he, God, can look at the sparrow that is two for a farthing, that is worth nothing, how much more you and me that is created in his image? May God help our faith in Jesus' name to understand this. What is a sparrow? A sparrow is not an ego. Majestic, beautiful, countries put the emblem of sparrow as a sign of victory, a sign of courage, a sign of uh, vision in their banners to show the whole world America is like this. That's an ego. He didn't use that as an example. He didn't use a hawk or a falcon that in the medieval ages, princes buy it for a king ransom because they use it as a sport exercise to hawk to, you know, it's a bed of a bird of this thing that goes and hurt and capture other birds in captivity and, and, and they all stand around and see this thing go to the high heaven and dive in after the birds and stuff. It's an entertainment. He didn't use that. He didn't use the heroin. Oh, that is so beautiful. If you see the neck and the legs, they are so designed in such a wonderful way that you say, wow, what a beautiful bird. These are birds that is like uh, 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 of value. Birds that is very tangible. You don't find them anywhere. He didn't use the seagulls that flies up to the high heaven and if you see them so over the, 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 the ocean, they are so beautiful and full of grace and majesty and stuff. He used a sparrow. And I was looking up sparrow many years ago and I saw that sparrow is considered to be a pest. China at one point, decided to go to war with sparrows. They were paying citizens to capture and kill sparrows. You say, why would they go to war with sparrows? Because it was a pest that was destroying their crops. Let's say you plant a rice field or whatever. This thing comes in thousands. They breed like nothing. They come to your field, they eat it all up like locust. They poop on the sidewalk everywhere. If you clean it today, the next day it's a mess totally. Sparrows. 
They do a lot of things that become so huge a problem that it becomes a national calamity that they decide to say, how do we kill the sparrows? So God did not use any of these majestic birds, great birds. Bird watchers doesn't go to the wilderness to watch sparrow. They go to watch eagle, they go to watch falcon, they go to watch birds that is you know, rare. But God said, my eyes is on the sparrow, the lowest of the low. A bed of no what? A pest in some places. If you kill a sparrow for eating, you are wasting your time. As a kid, they used to hire us to go watch over uh, 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 this uh, place, uh, rice field. And when they are coming, you start beating your gong or start shouting, jumping to, for them to fly away and go to another person who did not have enough money to hire people like us to go watch their distance. If you throw a stone on these sparrows and kill any of them, when you want to eat it, you pluck out the, the, the feathers and stuff, you basically see nothing in it. There is no meat in it. There's no value in it. It's a pest. It's a nutrient. Nobody wants it. But God said, my eyes is on the sparrow. And if God's eyes is on this thing that is of no words, how much more you that is created in the image of God? David start to wonder this at a point because I say, life trouble comes and he throws a cloud. Even when it's hard times, you wonder, where is God? David started to ask the question, say, what is man? What is Emmanuel? What is this sister, that person? What is us that you care, you are mindful of us? Let me answer David, brother David. In humility, let me put it like this. We are a commodity, essential commodity that God cannot do without. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not talking of commodity you can purchase, you can trade, you can find, you can pick on the street. We are so essential in God's plan, in God's providence, that he sent his only begotten son. And one day when they were explaining to me as a, as a young man trying to find my way in the Lord, he said that if it is only you, Emmanuel, that is a sinner lost in this life, lost in this world, Jesus Christ will see have come. He didn't come just because of the multitude. He came for if it's only an individual. So that is my answer to Brother David. Say, my God, this prophet king and priest man, look at everything that God is. Have seen majestic visions of God's creation, of God's ability, of God's, the heavens of heavens, the things that God made, and the things he will still do, and the great things he has done. He say, what is man that you are even mindful of us? And I say again, I answer David, I say, we are an essential commodity that God cannot do without. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because he loves us so much. So when the enemy come in the dead of the night, 
When Satan comes with his troubles and concerns and problems and stuff and try to tell you that you are of no what, remember that God's eyes is on the sparrow of the field. And again I say, they are worth nothing. But his eyes is upon me and you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. How did this hymn come about? The hymn that's made out of it, that was sung. A sister by name, Kavila Madins, a wife of pastor, Baptist uh, minister in 1905, <clears throat> decided to go and visit a woman and a husband, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle, in their place. These two couples are facing situation that is dire because the woman is bedridden for years and the man is in a wheelchair. Because I read some of this stuff, I listen to them, I read, I saw the hymn, I just don't sing the hymn. At times I go and find the background of what the hymn, why, what motivated somebody to put this hymn together. What inspired them to put such a wonderful message to the whole world that will endure, a time-honored message. And the pastor Martin and the wife came in there, into the house of this couple, expecting a situation whereby there's groom and doom. No, he made the wrong one. He came in and Mrs. Doolittle on her bed and the husband were excited and they were chatting and you see a couple though they are facing dire situation. We are still grateful and thankful in their attitude to God. And this man of God and the wife could not just, the man finally asked Mrs. Doolittle, what is it that what is it that keeps you going? How come you are in the face of this situation standing and behaving as if everything is okay? And the woman told him and said, well, pastor, if his eyes is on the sparrow of the field, then I know that his eyes is also upon me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, it may sound like nothing, but that may make a life difference for me and for you when situation is not the way we wanted it or is not right. Or when the situation is like overflowing of the Jordan. You know, there are levels to troubles. There are this level, there are that level, then there are one that comes to the nose then there are some above your head and you are practically under the water. We are talking that level. And in that level, there is many voices that comes, confusion, disorder, that tend to push you away from the solution. Push your eyes away from the Lord. Push your thoughts away from the Lord. That is where this kind of family is. Bedridden, husband in wheelchair, nothing going well for them practically. But they are able to survive and say, my eyes is on the Lord. The eyes of the Lord is upon me because we know that if he can consider a bed of no words like the sparrow, he watches also over me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There are some of the principles that many of us have used 
to try to help us to overcome in this kind of situations. Some of these principles is found in the Bible. It depends on individual implementation. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I say believe in God's goodness and providence. Believe. What do I mean by believe in God's goodness and providence? You know, there is an element of belief that has doubt in it. There is an element of belief that shake is on shaky ground. There is an element of belief that is practically considered fanatical. I believe notwithstanding whatever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Now, Job is a man that I read, read and read over and over. And, you know, I don't know how many Christians that call their children Job. In fact, if you Google it, very few people call it. Most of the people that call their children go, it look like this. It's when their father is drunk or something. I say, what's the name of your son or Job or whatever. They just don't mind. But most people don't, don't call their children Job. If you mention the name of Job, some people will cross themselves. If you talk about it and say, no, don't even, I don't even want to think of his situation. Why? Because it was a dire situation. It was a dire situation and you wonder, Lord, uh, please don't tempt me, forget, don't, don't even tempt me in anything close like Job. I'm not going to be able to withstand, Lord, don't, don't, don't. Take it to somewhere else, not me. That is the kind of scenario that this man went through. But there is something about Job that we keep going back on. Because God put it there for a purpose for us to know that there is trial that can be overwhelming, yet God is still in it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A waste of incidents happened in this man's life. Stages of financial destruction. The camels went, the goats went, the sheep went, the donkeys, and each one of them, this one happened. And each time he still turns back to say, worship the Lord. Then he moved to an area, me and you, or none of us with our same mind will ever think of, and I pray that God will keep that from us in Jesus' mighty name. Our own and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Then he came to his health, personal now, to this level. In such a situation that, you know, I used to think and I was meditating on it, I say, it's not out of bitterness or hatred, I think, that the wife spoke in that way. It's out of, probably out of compassion. It's probably out of the depth of compassion that somebody you love, somebody you care for, is going through living hell. They can put up, but now look at him also suffering, and the wife gave him that advice. I believe it is out of love. It's not because she hated him or whatever. It's a wrong advice in that situation, but we are human. Say, cause God and die. And Job still held unto the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is the situation whereby the crowd has risen from the earthquake of life, from the billows of life, from the tempted situation that you cannot see beyond. 
this crowd to see the sunlight, to see the glory of God. But he held his ground. And he made a comment that is maybe concerning. Maybe if you look at it, you wonder, how can that be? He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So that kind of faith is one of the things we can learn to count your blessings. We spoke about this last time we spoke here. That you should not always see what God has not done. You should endeavor to count your blessing and see what God has done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. And what God is going to do. That some of these things eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, neither has he entered the heart of any man living. What God have in store for them that put his trust in him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. We should endeavor to remember to count our blessings because when it happens like this at times I look at it and say, well, this might be a big temptation to me, but you know what? It could be worse. It could be worse than this. And if I recount of God's goodness, many at times I always remember what God has done in the past. And I know that if he did it in the past, he can still do it today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. For if his eyes is on the sparrow, then I know that he watches over me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. I say, learn to be thankful and to be grateful. Giving thanks in a situation that is dire motivates God to rise up on your behalf. Why is that? Because this is a time that many of us will throw tantrum, maybe me even, some occasion. This is a time that you say, well, what am I praying about for again? Why do I keep holding on? Why do I keep hanging in there? Why do I keep trusting when nothing is going on? He says in this case that you continue to give thanks. The hymn captured it in such a say, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and for whom? But you know, he said, What? Even in my situation, as dire as it is, as confusing as it is, as distressing as it is, God is still my portion. God is still my portion. He resets your mind. He resets your thinking. When you can go back to this in giving thanks and say, I will thank God for what he has done. What is happening now, he is yet to do. For God will glorify himself. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Also, we spoke of Habakkuk, who also is in a similar situation. This one did not reach the level of Job's. As I say, all these things, they have levels. But you know what the level it is, you find out that it is distressing. distressing. Habakkuk 
was going into bankruptcy. We don't know his status before. Everything was being taken away. And he started to recount it. The cattle are gone. There's no leave in the vineyard. This and this is happening. And he repeated the same thing like Joe, which I want us to try to remember that these people have a reason for saying it. There's a reason the Bible put it there for us. He said, yet will I trust in him. Brethren, let us walk and believe God in such a way that our trust, our confidence in his providence will not be thrown away. I'm not saying it may not be shaken in some cases. I'm not saying that it will not happen at a time that you are, you, you are troubled. I've been in true situations. Every one of us have been in maybe similar situation one time or the other. In fact, I remember one particular situation that it looks like nothing maybe it others, but it was very distressing to me. And then a sparrow showed up. And that researched my mind. I was in school in those days, and I got two major things that happened to me within a short period of time, weeks apart. My own passed away. You say, well, it's just your aunt. It's not just an ordinary person for me. She's the one that saw me through the hardest part of my life. She was there for us when there was no other person to. If I remember, I just say, because she's there, I have hope as a young kid. That's how much more she was to us. We are destitute, we are lacking always. My mother was always mostly sickly and stuff. At the darkest part of when we don't know what she shows up from her own village to us, carrying food, bringing stuff to sustain us. So that's how important she was to me. And I just spoke to her a few days, and then after that, I got a call, distressing call from my sister. I said, what's going on? He said, our aunt passed away. That shook me up. I was still reeling with this issue when another call came. My mother also passed away. Then I was going through school. Terrible experience. That's school stuff. That's why I say I'm no more going to school again. (laughs) Don't care how much you pay me. Somebody said, I'm going to school again. It was terrible. It looked like they looked for every avenue to fail you. If you fell by 0.01, you have failed. You are out of the class completely and stuff. So here am I planning to go to bury my mother and my aunt was already buried. I have to set it back. The situation was dire, but God came through to me. And I want to say this to God's glory. Most of the people in that class are Caucasians. You know what they did? They came together and studied for me. They studied for me because they know that if I fail, I'm out of that class forever. They throw you out. They put together, divided it among themselves, and studied and 
gave me bullet points of how to be able to take the exam before I travel because the instructor had agreed that she was going to give me opportunity to test out before I travel. Because when I'm there, I won't be able to come back to test with others. And that means I've lost all the years of work I've done. And so, these people came together, bind together to help me out. May God bless them for that in Jesus' name. I don't know where many of them are now. Then the instructor gave me the option. She was very, that's one of the few among every other practical devils in that place calling themselves professors. She stood by me. And at the end of that situation, I spoke by God's grace to her, say, if ever your back is on the wall, if ever you reach a point you don't know what to do and you need help, call on me and I will pray and God will answer in Jesus' name. She did call at a point and say, my back is on the wall. I haven't seen her then for a long time, years practically. One last of nowhere, I got an email. It's a situation about her daughter that was dying. I called the pastors. We interceded, we call on God, and God delivered in the mighty name of Jesus. So it was in this midst of this situation that I got into the area where I'm going to go about this. His eyes is on this parallel. <clears throat> the demons in my hometown decided to use the situation of these two people passing to make my life even more miserable. They gave conditions that you wouldn't believe. That I have to fulfill in order to bury my own very mother. Now, and if it is just the money part, I wouldn't mind. It is the part of going into rituals. It's the part of doing ungodly things. It's part of agreeing with them on things that I don't believe in, my mother doesn't believe in, I don't want to do. And they gave me condition that you better not come home practically. Because if you come home, and without fulfilling our request, this and this and that, and none of those things they were saying will happen is for good. But God has planned for good for me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I flew to Abuja, was in my sister's room, woke up early in the morning, and was thinking about all this stretching stuff. I haven't been home for a while. About the things they say they will do, about the things they want me to do, and I was distressed. Then as I was distressed, there flew a sparrow onto, I believe it's a sparrow, I don't know, but it's a tiny bird, it looks like a sparrow. They are different colors, different types, different species. On the window of where I was, and started talking to me, blessed be the name of the Lord. Sorry, I didn't hear what he's saying, but he was chipping. Because <laughs> now everybody's, everybody stood up now and said, <laughs> God is talking to Emmanuel. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> and when I saw this sparrow, my mind went back to this word. If his eyes is on the sparrow, then I know that he so watches over me. I've given testimonies about that journey. How they told me it will rain from morning till night for the three days we are going to do the ceremony. How I dressed up like Moses, came out and raised my hand to heaven. 
and told them that it will not rain for the period of that burial, and that for this mileage square uh, rectangle was diameter or diameter of this from here to here. From this, there will be no single rain in this place. And God honored His word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Before every one of them, and then some of them approached me to know the kind of otumokbo or voodoo that I, I am involved in. I told them, yeah, I have one, but it is Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? So it was in the midst of this thing that my sister told me something that reminded me, look, why are you troubled about what they said they would do? He said, ma, I said, yeah. He said, remember there was one time we were a small kid. I said, yeah, we were coming down from going back for school, yes. And this and this happened, and I remembered. That day, I've given this testimony before. There was about three miles or four miles of wilderness from our village to the other village where we go to school. Unlike now, I have to drop off my children with fancy car to school. We walk. <laughs> we walk going up, we walk coming back. There's no school bus. So, on both sides is this huge wilderness, and suddenly a man appeared before us with a huge machete. Maybe seven or eight or nine. My sister, about three or two, three years older. And this man's eyes was red. This is what they call psychosis. He was in the mood to kill, holding a machete. I really wasn't afraid because I didn't understand. But he stood there glaring on us, looking on us, watching us, and after some time, he just walked by with his machete, went home and killed everybody in his family. Terrible thing. Painful situation. Unimaginable situation. His own children, everybody's family was butchered. Then when my sister said, I said, he was watching me, he's watching us, the enemy prompting him to put an end to Emmanuel so that maybe I will not stand to speak of the Lord today like I'm doing. But there was a bigger eyes that was watching me, Amen. There was an eye that was looking at the sparrows, and he already know that sparrows are the field, and he can call and say that not one single one of them will fall without the Father's permission. How much more me? Blessed be the name of the Lord. How much more me? Put your hands together for the Lord, everybody. My fear and all the Threatening and everything disappeared. For now he dawned on me again. His eyes has always been on me. When I couldn't even defend myself. When I couldn't even comprehend what was about to happen. When I couldn't even imagine what the enemy has planned or have not planned. His eyes was upon me. Brethren, his eyes is upon you too in Jesus' name. For if his eyes is upon the sparrows of the field, how much more you that are created in the image of the Most High God. You may have been in an earthquake. Most of us have been there. That earthquake is not the type that you see the ground caving in. 
different kind of life earthquakes. Things changing, things not going according to plan. It may be health, it may be children, it may be marriage, it may be finance, it may be work, it may be whatever it is. And it comes like an earthquake upon you. And you start to imagine, where am I in this? And as the saying goes, you know, the Americans, uh, they have a nice way of saying things. They say, they say, you are the end of the rope. Now, I tell you, if you are or you think you are the end of the rope, tie a knot, hold on to that knot, because there is an eye watching you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Lord God has promised, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. I'm saying this to encourage our hearts. Because at times it just becomes like it comes from every angle. At times it just becomes like where are we in this? Where is the Lord in this? At times you have a rosy time but God has said it there's time to be in the mountain top. Then there's a time you find yourself in the valley. Remember that the same eyes that saw you on the mountaintop, the same one is watching you on the valley. Remember that when they gather, the Lord has promised they shall surely gather, but not by me. Every one of them, spiritual or physical, that gather against you shall fall because of your sake. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The arm of the Lord is salvation for his people. The whole ministration of this morning is for you to set your mind back on the Lord when life challenges and situation beyond you comes. And brethren, it definitely comes from time to time. At times we dress up, look nice like this is my, uh, I don't know what they call this, play suits and stuff. Put on your this thing, brush up, and people look and say, oh, my God, everything is going just wonderful for him. Wait until I tell you some of the story. And the same thing for many of us. Will you exchange yours with mine when you hear certain things that say, no, keep your own, let me keep mine? The one thing that never changes is the Lord. The one certainty we have is God's providence towards me and you. It may be that you are in that married play. What looks like a bottomless pit. But yes, the Lord has done it again and he will do it again. Say so he pulled me out of the mighty clay. He washed me up and posted me upon the rock. And he put a song in my mouth. Even a song of praise unto the most high God. So don't give up. Don't allow the enemy to take over. There is one that is watching you. His eyes rooms all over the whole earth. He looks around. And maybe he wants you to stay in that pit for a little longer for whatever reason. 
still don't give up. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because his arm of salvation will deliver. Amen. The Lord is good. Let's stand on our feet as we pray. You are watching us this morning. Or maybe later on. And you are facing situations. Say, what am, where am I in the equation of things? The Lord made you and clothed you in honor and in glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You are not a common thing. You are an essential commodity to the Lord. So vital, so important that he gave his only begotten son for you. That whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now you are watching and you say, well, how do I know it? The only invitation I usually give people in such a way is say, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm inviting you, if you haven't given your life to Christ, and you've been buffeted from every angle, and you feel alone and forsaken. I'm saying, let not your heart be troubled. Hear his tender word. And resting on his goodness, lose all doubts and fear. Though by the path God leads, it may be one step at a time. Know that his eyes is on the sparrow, and that he watches over you. When sons give place to signing, he says, when it looks like within you hope dies, let the grace of God draw you closer to him. From your care, he sets you free. For his eyes is on the sparrows. And the mighty God of heaven and earth watches over you. Therefore, my brethren, do not be discouraged. When the shadows come, let not your hearts be troubled. Hold on to Jesus Christ. He's your portion and a constant friend he is. For though for a appointed time this may endure, his eyes is on the sparrow and the Lord God of heaven and earth watches over you. Father, we thank you at this hour. I pray for any who is in this scenario situation now and they have cried. They've done all they can. And Father, they are hanging at the tip of the rope. As I admonished before, grant them grace to tie a knot in that rope and hang on to it. For your deliverance and salvation is near in Jesus' name. You will deliver, Lord, because that is what you are. The Lord, the deliverer. Our salvation is of the Lord. Father, strengthen us even this week that we may go in the strength of this message and do great things for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless all who have heard and bless those who will hear. And let the name of the Lord be exalted in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They praise him, please. Hallelujah.
Glory be to God.